0: H.R. is a place for H.R. professionals, business owners, and employees to come together and share experiences, talk about what's working and what's not, how we can improve best practices so that companies can better attract, train, and retain all generations of workers. We all know that there has been a huge shift in what people want. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about how the economy has been impacted and what needs to happen to find a balance. I'm your host, Leon Lovely. So let's get this conversation started. And remember, if you enjoyed this episode, follow us, like us, and share us. I'm very excited to welcome my guest today, Amy Bingham. With a career spanning over 25 years in the staffing industry, including 15 years consulting to staffing firms of all sizes and sectors, Amy Bingham works with owners and executives to increase sales effectiveness, positioning them for success to build value in their companies. Strategic planning, standardizing, processes in alignment with their latest best practices of high growth firms training sales and recruitment teams and coaching staffing leaders are key competencies of bingham consulting it is amy's broad exposure to best practices of high performance staffing firms that her clients value most early in her career working for a global firm provided the foundation for achieving excellence as one of seven elite performers today Continual research on emerging industry trends and process enhancements equipped Amy to help her consulting clients differentiate and stay ahead of the competition. Passionate about supporting and success of staffing leaders, Amy launched the Millennium Mentors Program for staffing leaders in 2018. By working one-on-one and in group settings with high potential managers and executives, Amy transfers her knowledge to equip them to effectively lead staffing teams, drive optimal business results, and migrate the risk of costly turnover. Amy is an active member of the American Staffing Association and sits on the Women in Leadership Counselor. She is highly rated past presenter at the ASA Staffing World and many other national, state, and regional conferences. In addition to her responsibilities, Amy is a leadership coach to MBA students at Rollins Crummer Graduate School of Business, where she enjoys setting future leaders up for success in the corporate world. Amy, thank you so much for taking the time um, out of your busy schedule to talk with me today. I'm very excited to have this conversation.
1: Thanks, Leanne. I'm happy to be here.
0: So why don't you start off by telling me a little bit about yourself?
1: Okay, so I have had a long career in the staffing industry. I started my run at a national firm way back when, over 25 years ago, and have been consulting to primarily small to mid-sized firms for the last 15
0: years. Excellent. So you've had, you've had quite a run in really in the staffing industry. So you've, I mean, you've been in it for years.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and I focus, my practice focuses on advisory services. I do a lot of leadership coaching. It's something that's sorely needed in the industry. So I'm having a lot of fun with that. But, you know, your typical strategic planning, I do some training. Um, it's just been great uh, to uh, have the variety of working with a lot of different firms and learning new perspectives. Over this.
0: Great. So what, um you know, you and you kind of touched on it a little bit, but what type um, or what are the type of staffing companies that you typically work with? Yeah, so there is a there is a
1: type. Um There are what? Some 39,000 staffing offices in the US. Uh, there's a lot of people to help, but that what we call mom and pop sector uh, needs a lot of help. Uh, these are typically recruiters or salespeople that work for bigger firms and decided they wanted to do something entrepreneurial. You know what? I can do this. I'm just going to hang a shingle outside of a door and start recruiting. And so their business grows to maybe it's even a, a, a million, two million, five million, um, and, and beyond. And they start to realize I need some structure. I need some help with this. Now I have a business, it's not just me, I hired a team. So I work across all sectors of staffing, uh, light industrial, administrative, healthcare, engineering. I mean, I've got legal, I've got clients all over the board, um, but primarily Uh, I work with some startups, but usually firms under 5 million and then all the way up to, let's see, my my largest client is right around hundred million, but the sweet spot is probably, um, probably 10 to 25 million. So, you know, that $10 million firm that, uh, wants to get to 25 and the 25 wants to get to 50 and beyond. And, and that's what I like to do. I'm a sales effectiveness consultant, so totally a front office girl. Um, I'm all about let's let's get revenue in the door and gross profit. And- yes, and
0: you and I actually had the opportunity to work together many years ago, which was was very exciting and and very beneficial, and I truly enjoyed that too. So there has been you know so much that has changed over obviously the the last 20 months. Or how has your job changed um, you know because of that? And has there been a shift in in the needs of some of your clients that you work with?
1: Good question. Yeah. So um, you, the interesting thing is I had made a strategic decision to travel less. So long story short, I got introduced to Zoom uh, back in early 2019, and I embraced the technology and I said, you know what, I can work effectively. I can certainly do coaching calls. I can even do training in bite-sized segments. Uh, right from my home office. So I had already made that transition. I'd moved my clients to a virtual environment. And when the pandemic hit, my life didn't really change that much at all because I was already operating this way. Um, That said, the needs of my clients obviously changed a lot. People were trying to cope with remote work and and how to manage a remote team. And um, I think that was... Very challenging for leadership to understand if they can't see. You know, in this industry, we're used to having people in a bullpen mm-hmm. and having eyes on them for the most part. And so, a lot of a lot of the owners and um, uh, executives had a real hard time with the fact that their staff was not under one roof where they could see them, mm-hmm. and were surprised to see, pleasantly surprised to see. That not only did productivity not suffer, it actually improved. So that was a radical shift for the industry. Um, I mean I remember the days where absolutely no one, I mean, most of my clients were no no one works from home. That's just not how we operate. We're all in the office together, we need to collaborate. So it was forced and they learned that. But that brought new challenges. Right, absolutely. And
0: and are you still seeing that there are there there are companies out there that are still really struggling with moving to a remote workforce? I mean, you know, obviously I've, I've come from manufacturing. Um, a lot of the candidates or a lot of those industries rely on people to walk in the door. They do. So it's
1: harder for a light industrial firm that relies on walk-in traffic where there's a lot of, you know, go to work immediately, uh, no interview required types of orders right? High volume orders. That can be a challenge. It can be done. I have clients doing it. But there was a lot of reluctance in the LI sector, particularly for that reason. Now, not so much though in professional staffing. In um, professional staffing, it was a pretty easy transition. And the employee base in professional staffing really embraced that because they were already folks in the, in the industry, in recruiter seats and and salespeople, these are, this this is young millennials and Gen Z now entering the workforce, and they're all about flexibility. So they're actually less inclined, far less inclined to take a job where there is no option to work remotely. Right. And actually I, I had to have a lot of conversations with clients who were still having a problem getting there. Um, we still wanted people in the office. You know, I said, we've going to listen. It's, it's a candidates' market anyway. You're going to take an already narrow pool of people down further by requiring them to come to the office five days a week. Not a good idea. So that's it's still that's evolving. But yeah, in the light industrial sector, it can be challenging. There's no doubt about that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely." And and you kind of, you know, answered a little bit about what my next question was, was what do you see for the future of general labor staffing versus the professional staffing side? You know, and, you know, how are you overcoming some of those challenges with the people that you work with? And I, I think you kind of answered a little bit of that. but
1: You know, I, I did, but there is, there is a, um, a huge uh, push to the digitization of staffing, as you're probably aware right? Mm-hmm. We're using artificial intelligence more. We're automating redundant tasks. I mean, on the candidate side, the closer that we can get to one-click apply, the better. Right. Um, That's right. a challenge, right, for a staffing firm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got, so you, you, know, you have to re-engineer your application flow, your workflows. And then you've got um, abandoned rates that are exceptionally high. I mean, people are very impatient. If they encounter any challenge at all applying for a job they're just gonna abandon and go somewhere else right so uh, staffing firms that have been historically high touch and not embraced technology are really struggling with this and i'm doing a lot of work in this area <clears throat> with them so you've probably heard a lot of people looking at their tech stack right how how are they set up from a technology perspective what integrates with what is it smooth is cumbersome, but I think for light industrial staffing companies, that's a game of speed. So very often the first the first company, there's always multiple companies who work on these job orders. The first company that fills the order gets a business. So if you are, if you have a cumbersome application process that slows you down, you're going to be more likely to be beaten by the competition that has embraced technology. So, right. But that said, there's a lot of recruiting technologies. There's a lot of help in the industry to get people through that, but it is overwhelming. I just had an email earlier today, actually, from a client that said, this is just completely overwhelming. They're converting from one ATS to another, and mm-hmm. shoot, that, that's overwhelming enough anyway, but the integrations piece is just mind-boggling. Right. So See. grappling with that change.
0: I've seen so many apps popping up of, you know, new apps popping up of this is an app where they can do a one-touch apply. All their information is there, and it's expediting these processes. And, right, it's very interesting, everything that's popping up now.
1: Yeah, so it's great for the candidate, um, but for running, those running and working in a staffing company, uh, you've got to evolve, right, your processes. If you don't, like I said, you'll lose on speed.
0: Right. Very interesting. Very interesting stuff. What do you um what do you think the the greatest need of some of the people that you are working with right now, a lot of your clients, what do you think that, you know, or what are they engaging you for?
1: So usually I will be working with an owner that is sort of living on an island, right? That's what they describe to me. The typical call that I'll get is hey I built my firm 5 million 10 million even 25 million um and uh, I've figured it out along the way but I don't know what I don't know so I want to work with an advisor who's plugged in to all the latest best practices so that I'm not I don't feel like I'm living you know in a vacuum here or on an island right uh, so it's a lot of advisory work. And I have, I have a very flexible plan where we've talked a couple of times a month, my, my client brings the agenda. So whatever is on his or her mind is what we're going to talk about. I have more structured plans where let's run hard and run fast for three months. We're going to talk every week. I'm going to give you work to do in between. You know, Say you have a um, major initiative to standardize process, right? So my scope of work may be to help them with that initiative. and and hold them accountable to getting that done. So I have a three-month plan, and then I have – there is a great need, like I said earlier, for leadership training, leadership development. As we've got baby boomers retiring, they've got to have successors to their firms. So that's the reason I built the Millennial Mentors Program for staffing leaders. Yep. I initially built it as a one-to-one boutique program for – usually the children of an owner that was the intended successor to get them. And I worked with them for a year, get them up to speed, get them ready to run the business. But I took it from one to one to one to many. I still do one-on-one coaching, but I do far more group coaching, open enrollment. My next class starts January 13th. People can literally click and register. And I end up in the, with 15 people in the class from all staff and verticals all levels of leadership from owners to brand new managers and everybody learns. They learn from me, they learn from each other. So it's really a great program. I've been very excited to launch that.
0: Yeah. And I was going to ask you about that to, to tell me a little bit more about that. So specifically what, what is that, you know, based on, or what is that about?
1: I have, when I built millennial mentors, it was on five, the vital nine I call them, nine disciplines of a great staffing industry leader. And so in my one-on-one coaching, I'm working through all nine over the course of a year. I pulled out for the group program, the three most critical leading people, leading process and leading results. And over an 11 week period of time on a one hour zoom call every week, we all get on the phone, I teach them something in that discipline. I give them an assignment. They go do it. It's all experiential learning. They come back the following week. We debrief as a group. It's open mic. Uh, That's where the real, real learning comes in. How did you do on your assignment? What did you learn? Then I teach them something else. Then I give them another assignment. So that goes on for 11 weeks.
0: And that's awesome because I like the idea that it's at all levels because somebody who's, you know, just coming in, talking with people who have been in the industry for years can learn something from them at the same time that they're learning something from you. And people who have been in the industry for years who sometimes get set in their ways can learn new ideas from somebody who may be coming in with fresh ideas. That's such a such an amazing um, way to, you know, bounce ideas, you know, back and forth. I mean, it's just, it's great. And I mean, the best way to create a great environment is to train the leaders.
1: Yeah. It starts starts with the leader. Absolutely. People leave bad managers. They'll even stay in a bad job. Right. If they're fiercely loyal to their manager. Yeah. So it really does start with the leaders. And, and you made a good point. I just got an email earlier. I'm wrapping up my Q4 class right now. From I got an email from an EVP who's in the class. And she said, you know, every single week, there have been great takeaways. She said, some are good reminders, but many are new things or new ways of doing things that I have really never thought through. This is an executive vice president of a mid-sized firm. So, I have, I have that person, and then I have somebody who's just promoted at, into a recruiting manager job and now has six recruiters reporting there. So, and everything in between, all levels in between. Right. That's awesome. That's amazing. It's,
0: well, it's a so lot. Well, somebody listening who wants to check that out, um, I know that you were promoting it on LinkedIn. I'm yes. sure you also find it on your website. On my website,
1: Bingham CP, Bingham C as in consulting, P as in pros dot com, click services and look at leadership development and you can download the agenda and the program overview. Excellent. So here's my final
0: question. I'm going to be asking everybody this season um, this question. Um, so I'm excited to to hear you know what your answer is. If you could pinpoint a time period in your career that made a huge difference in your life or career path, when would that be and why? So
1: I, I'm going to go way back to actually a pre-staffing career when I was in retail management. And I had a boss who was just this almost gypsy, like she came from outside the, the, the industry, industry being retail, but she came in with a lot of fresh ideas. I remember my first one, I, with her, I sat down and she said, okay, so Amy, you're a department manager in cosmetics. Um, how do you like it? I love it. I'm going on and on. She said, what do you want to do next? And I said, I don't know. No one's ever asked me that before. Now I'm in my early twenties at the time. She said, how about my job? Don't you want my job? Do you want to be a group manager? And I said, I would love to be in your job. I don't have, I don't have the slightest idea how to get there. She said, we will get you there. And I'll be darned if she didn't mentor me. And a year later, I got her job. She got promoted to store manager. So this is for a Macy store. Right. So what I learned from that, why that was so pivotal is I really learned, first of all, if you have a great mentor who will invest time and energy in you, you can go places. And I think we've got to start that dialogue with very junior people to help them understand this isn't it for you. You can do a whole lot more. So then when I was ready to leave retail behind, um, I just, I did the same thing at then Spirion, well, then interim services, pre-Spirion, pre-Ronstop, same thing, started as a selling branch manager and moved up the track, it Found sought out good mentors, talked about what I wanted to do next. So that, but that foundation came from that one group manager in retail management.
0: That's awesome. That's amazing. And that's that's really a learning experience for every single person who's listening to this, no matter what level they're at. Um, You know, you cannot get to a point in your career that you can't ask for a mentor, and you can get to a point in your career where you can offer to mentor somebody. I mean, that should really be the true takeaway from what you just said. because Absolutely. We all have so much to offer to other people, and we still all have something new to learn at any point in our lives or careers. So that's amazing, and and you you truly you obviously took a great advantage of that because you've now run your own consulting firm. Um, you know, I've I've like I mentioned earlier had the opportunity to learn from you, um, take a training course from you eventually work under you um many years ago but um it's it's, Yes, yes you are a brilliant woman and um i really really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today
1: oh leanne you're so nice thank you so much for inviting me and um all the best to you in your career um i see you just climbing and climbing so really excited for you thank you so much
0: thank you again for listening to let's talk hr I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.